Hiya, welcome to the Marketer Meter podcast. My name is Joe Glover and this is another episode that will fill your brain with wonderful thoughts of marketing-based knowledge. Now, today we have John Torrens speaking, who at the very least is Cambridge famous for being the world's best communications coach. John has a background in games design, uh, stand-up comedy, and in this talk he focuses on storytelling. Um, John's spoken at least a couple of times at the Cambridge Marketing Meetup, but this was the second ever talk at the London Marketing Meetup, which was super exciting, um, if a little bit terrifying and nerve-wracking. But the event went really well, and I'd love to see more people at the London Marketing Meetup soon. If you'd like more from the Marketing Meetup, head to themarketingmeetup.com, listen to more of these podcasts, Or, best of all worlds, come to one of the events. I'd love to see you in one of the five places that we're currently running them. And there's plenty more on on the horizon too. So have a great day. I really hope you enjoy it. One quick caveat is that this talk, as with every other talk, is designed for the people uh, who are in attendance, really. So the, the audio experience is somewhat shaky at times, but it's still a wicked talk nonetheless. I really hope you enjoy it. I'll see you soon. In 1975, uh, my family and I uh, moved from Bedford, where we'd been living, to Cheltenham. Uh, I was four years old, work it out. And my dad, who was a vicar at the time, had moved to this lovely parish. Cheltenham's a very lovely place. Lots of money. And six months after starting the job, uh, he's visiting uh, a parishioner and he's walking through the churchyard next to the church. And the house, the vicarage house, is about 100 yards away. And he sees a tall man in a brown suit with a hat on a bicycle cycling up to the front of the house. His line of sight is obscured from the front of the house by some trees. He gets to the house and walks into the hall, he meets my mum, and he says, he whispers, who's, who's here? And she says, there's no one here. Okay, and he describes the guy, there's no one there. A couple of days later, he's describing this person, this unusual man, one of his parishioners, and they go, ah, that's George Johnson! Who's that? He was the church warden. He died last year. So my dad, He's probably the only person I've heard of who's seen a ghost on a bicycle, <laughs> right? He's no reason to make this, this story up, right? He's got no ego. This, this is the thing that happened. It's just incredible. So I'm going to talk to you about storytelling. And that was my opener. I hope you enjoy it. What do you remember of the man that you saw? Keep going, what else? Right, you pictured it, right? That's the power of the story, is it creates imagery, it creates a connection. Have you ever told someone a joke or a story and they were the person who told you maybe a week or so before? Right, okay, I've I've done that a few times. Um, I go, hey, it's this thing, and then they'd be one of my best friends, they go, yeah, I told you that. And apparently the theory there is if you hear a really good story, you experience it. It becomes part of what you've lived, you take part in it, you think it's yours. 
So my dad, um, he was a vicar, technically still a vicar, um, and the sermon was the part of the service where he could freestyle, right? <laughs> What's the advantage to the sermon? If you can freestyle within uh, a classic C of E um, <laughs> communion that might be an hour or 20 minutes, so an hour, hour and 20 minutes, what, what's, what's the advantage of that point? What can you do? For these specific things, but here's your chance to make it relatable. Here's the day to day. Here's this ancient scripture. Here's how you can apply it. Here's how it will work. So, uh, I'm going to tell you my story. So, at school, I was uh, pretty hopeless academically. The only things I was good at were art and writing stories. And so, art was going to be my thing. I think a lot of the teachers thought I was stupid or lazy. So, good, solid, traditional British ages education. I pretty much fell through the gaps. And I studied graphic design, uh, came to London and got a graphic design qualification. And then uh, one of the people who was on my course got a work placement at a video games company. And they said, why don't you come along? You love video games, John, come along, have an interview, see if you can get a job there. And I got it and I started doing that. I thought I was gonna be a video games editor or something. Um, uh, but I, I fall into games. Six months after I started at the um, video games company, one of the programmers and I thought, well, we like stand-up comedy. Let's do stand-up comedy, right? We can be comedians. So we started doing that, and I got hooked. I, I got hooked. It's the most incredible rush ever. And of course, I was pissed to start off with, but sorry about that. And, uh, but then I improved. And so, like some kind of weird, introverted superhero, by day, I was sitting there listening to music, designing video games levels with pencil and paper, but by night, I was going out into London and surrounding area and trying to make people laugh for money. And it was an amazing time. And then I tried to stand up full time. I did that for a couple of years. I got quite good at it. I didn't become a superstar. I was so annoyed. And I thought, I've wasted all this time. I spent literally thousands of hours writing, performing, traveling. It's all been for nothing. Got a job uh, at Sony Cambridge. I met my wife at that point. We got married, we started a family. But I was using all the skills that I'd learned from Stanford pitching games, and that was quite good. And then in 2005, uh, sorry, 2010, I was watching someone very senior, Sony, and they were giving uh, an, one of their annual uh, presentations. And clearly, a lot of time and money had been spent on this presentation, and it was appalling. Uh, it was the most soulless thing I'd seen. And so I had this little moment where I went, ping, I know the answers to all this stuff. It's everything I learned from stand-up. You should be telling a story. You should be delivering this thing as if you care about it, as if it matters. And so five years ago, I set up on my own, and now I coach people one-to-one -one in groups, and I help them with communication by communicating in a way that feels natural and conversational and is full of confidence but at the very heart of all of that is storytelling um, who's the most famous storyteller you can see I love a bit of elderflower by the way so there we go always stash that somewhere nearby thank you Brett um, like nectar so 
<laughs> I just say it with whatever can of drink I find. There's, there's sometimes it'll be Coke with a cigarette end. No, this is mine. Um, <laughs> who's, who's the most famous storyteller? Who's ever lived? Not Not bad, not bad. That would be the most famous writer. Mm -hmm. Who's the most famous storyteller? Think of my background. Martin. Jesus. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> or is that, get on with it! Mine's <laughs> um, <laughs> again would be very good also. But yeah, Jesus. And uh, yeah, it's such a simple technique, but to make a point with a simple story. Are you familiar with the, well, the, the parable of uh, the sowing of the seed? You know what I'm talking about? No, really? Okay. It's a great story. There's this book you should have a look at. Um, it's quite long. I recommend the second half. Um, do you, but in the first half, um, do you remember the story of the, uh, the shepherd boy and the, and the giant? What was it called? Anyone? David? Well done. Um, there's a fantastic book here by Martin Gladwell. Basically about underdogs versus over cats. And it's amazing, but he takes that story apart. And it's beautiful. He points out that Goliath probably had some weird disease that made him a giant that he couldn't see, and he kind of switches it around. And it's just beautiful. And if you look up Malcolm Gladwell on YouTube, you'll find him telling that story. Um, there's a, another great book, it's not in my bag, although it'd be great if I was pulling out books, and there's another one, it's the Bible. Um, uh, really big old, you know, with a clasp. Um, uh, Beowulf, anyone familiar with Beowulf? Mm -hmm. Really? Okay, so t tell me, in fact, where does it date from? It's, it's pretty old, isn't it? Like 800? No, 800 yeah, so, That's good, no one else knows any of the wise, it's definitely 800, <laughs> correct. <laughs> no, it's old. Uh, old European story, and very. If you were able to sum it up briefly, can, can you remember? I don't know. It? All right, brilliant. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, so there's this great book I was going to refer to. Um, someone's got a call. It's you. How ironic. That's weird. Let me take it. Let me take it. Sorry. Lee's not here. Lee's not here at the moment. But uh, if you want. Um, yeah, so, uh, the, the book, and yeah, and yeah, the book I'm here. It's called the uh, the Seven Basic Plots by Christopher Brooke, and I, from what I can see, there's about three basic plots. But what I love is he talks about Beowulf, which is this ancient uh, British story. So basically in the story, there's an evil creature being evil in a distant land. Um, and the hero is summoned uh, to go and defeat the evil creature, stop it being evil. And they get armed with a magic sword and a shield, and they're sent off to defeat it. They confront the evil uh, creature in its lair and exploiting its weak spots. They overcome it. Um, they kill it. They risk all and they defeat it. And what this book proposes, which is fantastic, and this is very much, it's a little bit like the, the Heroes of Jane, it's called sort of the monster. Um, they propose that that is basically every Bond movie. And <laughs> as soon as I read that, I went, they're right, right? The, of course, there are books to begin with. Every Bond villain is hideous and deformed. They're being evil, they're doing evil stuff. James gets summoned, not by the king, but by M. They go and visit Q, they get tooled up with their magic sword and magic shield. They go, same thing, right? So, uh, are you familiar with the hero's journey? Come on, right, so see if this sounds familiar. Uh, a young person living in the middle of nowhere has an ordinary humdrum day-to-day -day life. They are asked to go on a quest, and they refuse because they've got lots of boring day-to-day -day stuff to do. I've got too many chores, I'm sorry. Um, so they refuse, and then after a life-changing event, they decide they will go, and they travel with the aged mentor, who's the person who asked them to go on the quest in the first place, and they travel to this dangerous place, this other land, where it, it's filled with horrible, evil creatures. 
and they meet a rogue and a princess and they learn how to fight with a sword and with their newfound skill and with their new friends they attack and defeat the evil dark lord and they return home victorious having saved the world what story do you suppose that is Shrek, Shrek. that's amazing <laughs> wow that was quick no one's ever said that uh, I mean to me but that's a, not a bad answer um, any, any other story it was so quick as well Lord of the Rings that's very good anything else bingo keep going it wants to be found so well done it's not there it's Lord of the Rings well done um, so there's a ring I, there's uh, <laughs> oh yeah five fingers <laughs> so uh, in, I think it was like 957, Joseph Campbell wrote this great book, Hero of the Thousand Faces. Basically, he researched myths from around the world and he found two, because there's thousands of them, that they have these common elements. And there's much more depth to it. There tends to be a healing place. They return home with the boon. There's all these other things. So you don't necessarily have to have those things in your story, but it will make a great story if you have relatable characters. So that's you and the people you're working with. You overcome some kind of conflict. Um, you solve the problem and you return home victorious. Uh, my, so I've, I've got two kids, and oh, by the way, I'm 47 married with two children, so I don't have the, um, the jag, but you know, pretty much fit into that slot. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me John Lightpage. I love it. Um, he looks cool though, that's the thing, which clearly shows I'm the same. Okay, no, what are you talking about? He's, he's a dude. Um, so I've started, re you know, I, I'm. Love, I love Roald Dahl. I think Roald Dahl stories are incredible. And for years, I thought Roald Dahl stories are amazing. It's only now I'm rereading them to my kids. I'm remembering this is incredible. Well, he's got chapters that are half a page long. I'm going, this is gold, right? It's just amazing. When you read stories like that, and you realise, you know, all the adults are just horrible. They're just monsters. There might be some kind ones, but they're generally pretty horrible. Um, and so, what do you think? Let's bring this back to it being practical for you, storytelling for you, for business, for marketing. What are the key points about a story? What is the hook of the story? Go. What does it do to your data, to your information? How does it engage? Come on, there's lots here. Makes it relatable. Straight away. You've got people. You could say, I work for this company. We provide this range of services. We work with these clients. We have a great relationship with these clients. End. Now that's the kind of thing you might read. That's fine on a website, but it's not how you talk to people. Far better to start straight off with the story before you even introduce yourself. Last week, I was in Rotherham. This company was stuffed. They deleted all their assets. They had the CEO coming in the next day. They had this major deadline. At that point, are you interested? Right, because it's someone else's misfortune, right? It's wonderful. Oh, all go horribly wrong, great. There's peril, you've got characters you can relate to. Even better, if you are using visuals, you have a photo of the team that you're talking about. You can name check them. The person they've only ever spoken to on the phone, that's what they look like. Yes, they're really into Transformers, it doesn't matter. There's a real thing, it's relatable. So you drop them straight into it. And the wonderful thing about stories, I mean, I felt great just starting off. I've never started off any talk ever with in 1975. It felt amazing. Um, I need to do that more often, just regardless. Just the night, it's just something. Uh, there's, there's no friction. You know, if I say, I'm going to talk about these things, I'm going to discuss this, that's fine. You're in listening mode, you're used to it, and, you know, you, you can handle it. But if I just say, 
in this situation, these people, this thing happening, peril, it just flows straight in. We love it. We are hardwired for stories. I was lucky enough to watch uh, a guy from Pixar this morning giving a talk on storytelling, which kind of blew my mind. Uh, he'd written loads of the stories, the, the films, and he talked about the you know ups and downs and that interaction. So, have you seen the movie Up? Do you remember the opening sequence of the old man and his wife? <laughs> right? I mean, he showed us that, that sequence, and it literally goes, here's this happy thing, here's a setback. And it does that like five times. And obviously, you know, I mean, he's, he showed me a slide, and I'm just like crumbling. It's amazing. But there has to be that parallel, there has to be that drama. Your story can't be, here's our company, it's awesome, the end, right? You, now, obviously, you want to. You might need to gauge how much flaws and weakness you show, but if you can show that you're human, relatable, you've got that human experience, you're not too big to announce these things that are uh, the human aspects of your company, then you've got connection, and people love that. You know, I'm part of the... Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, what I'm interested to know now is what would be a good story for one of your companies? Can you think of a story that sells your experience? And if you were to talk about the last experience, the last customer you had, would you be able to describe that in a way that you think would reel people in? You're nodding? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're recruiters, so we have a lot of stories to take that problem and how we kind of fix it. OK. And what's the what's the benefit to you of having that story? Is that they can actually trust us and gain that understanding that they need to use us, they don't need to pay for us, but actually we can add that value. Okay. So it can demonstrate your offer. Yes. Okay. So I think when you've got a series of stories like that, another wonderful benefit is they're memorable. So you don't have to remember all of these things. You can just think of this client, this situation. It doesn't have to be a whole list. It can be just that one thing. And also, for the people you're speaking to, they'll remember it. If it's a great story, even if they're not interested in doing business with you, they might take that story and tell it to someone else. So a really good story makes data relatable. It gives you a connection. It has an impact. And it demonstrates all the wonderful things about your business and about your experience. Thank you.